Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. What's up, friends? I've got another interview for you this week. And I am feeling better. Smidge of a cough left, but I finally feel like a human being. (laughs) So today's episode is about niching down on WordPress themes and plugins. So anybody that is listening, you do not have to be a theme or plugin developer, but pay attention to the fact that, that Nate has picked a very specific niche and that who, that's who he's doing business four with his themes and plugins. I think you're going to enjoy the episode today. I have Nate Wright of Theme of the Crop on the show. Great guy. So enjoy the interview. Nate, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. This is great. You know, it's one of the things I got really excited about um, in terms of talking to you today is is the direction that WordPress is going, and you have really picked a very targeted niche uh, for your company. But before we get into theme of the crop, you know, I always like to ask people what their backstory is, what brought you here, um, and you know, what were you doing before you launched theme of the crop? Yeah, um, so the 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 sort of long running backstory is that when I was a teenager in the late nineties, my brother was heavily involved in web development stuff. And he kind of taught me how to make my first website, which was for my band at the time. And then over over the years, he would always kind of feed out little jobs to me to do stuff. And I kind of grew my skills that way. And I, I eventually just kind of did client work while I did other stuff. So I never really pursued it that heavily. It just kind of helped me fund um, when I was at university and, and doing other things in life. But then a, about uh, four and a half years ago, um, we ended up here in Edinburgh and I had just been a journalist in Cairo, um, which was a very stressful thing. And so I was quite looking forward to work that was much less stressful. So that's when I kind of decided I'm going to stick with this and, and do it, do web development as a career. And then about a year after that, uh, at the time I was working about half time for my brother um, and he made some life changes and wasn't going to be contracting workout anymore. So that's when I kind of made the decision to try the product market. I've always been kind of had a love hate relationship with clients, as I think most people do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I kind of, I saw, I thought, well, I've got this big chunk of time. I'm not that great at going out and just grabbing clients uh, or finding and recruiting clients. So why don't I just invest some time and see if I can do this thing? Um, so that's kind of how theme of the crop got started. It was very ad hoc. There was no business plan. There was no anything. It was just kind of, if I make this thing, will, will people buy it? And, and so then, you know, it kind of went from there, but it definitely did not take off. It was a kind of very slow, painful start. Well, okay. First of all, we got to back up a smidgy because holy moly, <laughs> no, 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 Cairo. Wow. So, oh, yes, yeah. wow. What an adventure that must've been. How long were you in Cairo? Um, so I was there 13 months. So I was there from the summer after the fall of uh, Mubarak and then up to the election of uh, Mohamed Morsi, um, who was then later deposed after I left. But 
yeah, so I was working as a as a news journalist for the Times of London, um, which was a job I was incredibly privileged to do, but also temperamentally not suited for. I think. Um, yeah. So it was very exciting, but very stressful, and I didn't get a lot of job satisfaction out of it. Um, so when my wife um, she uh, landed a PhD in Edinburgh, we were just like, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's get out of this war zone. Yeah, I just, I, that, that's amazing. I can't imagine that pressure, but a very cool story. Um, so d- had you not studied web development in university? Were you a journalist major or? Yeah, I, I did international relations. Um, so, and, and I had previously lived in the Middle East as an activist. Um, so I've been pretty sort of, for most of my adult life, I was oriented towards a more, um, politically involved career of one form or another. Um, and I still, you know, I'm quite interested in all that stuff. Um, but it's, I have to say it's a lot nicer to follow it when I don't have my career and my economic st- livelihood invested in doing it 24 seven. But yeah, so a lot of my life kind of was geared up towards that and web development was kind of how I funded the, uh, going to university, um, I doing internships, that kind of thing that helped me land, um, the eventual, uh, work in Cairo and stuff. Wow. You know, what's interesting is, is in listening to your story, cause even when you were talking about the evolution of theme of the crop and how it sort of happened organically and you just kept putting one foot in front of the other, I, I don't know. I think that's a lot more valuable. People can get stuck in the, the planning idea, the planning phase and minimum viable product. And the best way to find out is, is just to, to put something out there and start pushing it. And I, so I think that's awesome. All right. So tell, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I think that's a big thing. I, in fact, that was something that journalism helped me overcome because I was always a perfectionist, still am deep down um, and just never really did stuff. Always had plans, but never, never felt like I was ready to do it. And uh, doing news journalism, the the tight deadlines you're on, it just forces you like, you don't have any other option. You pick up the phone, you make the calls, you keep putting one foot in front of the other. Cause if you don't, you won't have a story at the end of the day. Um, and that really helped me sort of get comfortable with doing good enough. Which is, which is huge. I see so many people and I don't know if you, if you, and we'll talk more about, um, you know, in terms of the niche you're in in space, but how many times, you know, you build a website for somebody and, and it's up and it's launched. And then six months later, they've done nothing with it. They're not, you know, it's just kind of this static brochure. And so at the end of the day, you just, you just have to hit publish. You just have to have to give it a shot. And, you know, it's for the most part, it's, it's not a, if you build it, they will come. That would be awesome, but it doesn't tend to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I come from a, a programming perspective on this. I always did the programming first and, um, only later did the, the client work. Um, and I've definitely, like I think developers often have that sense that oh well it's all it's all it's all the complicated stuff is all building it um but now that I've run a business for me like the hard stuff is is the using it the hard stuff is the writing blog posts and the marketing and all that stuff um the technical stuff you know you get it up it works that's fine it's like a do it once kind of thing it's the ongoing work that's the hardest part I I totally agree. And I'm not a developer and I like creating content, but it, it still is that, you know, putting just putting it out there and consistently doing it, especially because there's a window 
where you have to do it and there's crickets, right? <laughs> and so yeah. it's the marathon strategy. So tell the listeners what theme of the crop is and what differentiates you from other, you know, theme or plugin shops. Yeah. So I, theme of the crop is a themes and plugin shop for restaurants specifically. Um, so I'm not necessarily just a theme shop or just, I don't have like one signature plugin that I sell. Um, I kind of wrap up a bunch of different solutions into what can be a complete package and what I think works best as a complete package. But also you can pick out, you know, this plugin and that plugin if you just need something to plug a gap in a project you've got. So yeah, so I've got a plugin for reservations uh, and a plugin for restaurant menus and a plugin that helps with um, kind of Google SEO uh, stuff specifically for local businesses and restaurants. And then I build my themes kind of on top of those and to integrate really well with those to display that material as best as possible. So what made you decide to focus on on this space? Yeah, I mean, that was pure happenstance. Uh, I, when I had the initial idea, um, I just thought, oh, I'll build the theme and see if I can sell it. Um, so I looked on Theme Forest and I kind of just did a kind of back of the napkin calculation about some of the big niches. And I said, well, how many, how many sales are, are, is an average theme getting and how many competitors are there? And I tried to work out, you know, what would be a niche where there would be not too many competitors, but lots of potential customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and restaurants just seemed the, the, the best fit there. So I built my first theme with restaurants without any intention to continue in the niche. Um, but after I had done all that marketing work specifically around restaurants, it, it was obvious by that point that sticking with restaurants made all the sense in the world and, and just jumping to something else would be a lot of new work, um, without a lot more payoff really. Well, let me, let me back up a little bit in terms of, so you did the research with Theme Forest and I am friends and partner with somebody who's got, they've got a ton of plugins on Code Canyon. And I know that, you know, the Envato marketplace has changed a bit. Did you sell through Envato or initially, or did you just use it as a uh, market research? Um, I, I just use it as market research. My intention at the beginning was to sell non-exclusively there while I built up my own shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, like, like a lot of people, I built the, th- I spent two months building the theme, getting it together and I submitted it and they rejected it immediately. Um, and that was really disheartening. Um, and that's, that kind of set me off on the other course of like, okay, if I do have to market this thing myself and bringing customers, how am I going to do that? Um, and that was, it was actually, I think it was about a month and a half from when I, I put my shop up to when I got my first sale. And that was a pretty depressing month. I, I felt pretty defeated. Uh, but then at like within the, getting my first sale within a month, I'd had, you know, a dozen or so. Um, and so that's, that's when I kind of realized, okay, this is, this is something that's possible. If I just sort of double down and start taking where I've succeeded so far and reinvesting there, um, then maybe I can actually make this thing work. Holy moly. There's a whole bunch in there. I want to back up. So (laughs) no, 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 no. Like I love it because it's like inevitably your answer is going to give me like five more questions. Um, so in terms of submitting the theme, it's so funny because, you know, as, as a customer who looks at, 
you know, say theme forest, it's, I don't know. I mean, not that there's not good themes on there, but it's not, what was the, in terms of them turning it down, was it standard style? Like what was the reasoning for that? My guess would be from their perspective, what they would call design quality. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I'm not, I mean, I think I'm an okay designer, but I'm, that's not where I excel. And I built it to be really solid code base and really what I considered, you know, much better sort of feature set than your average niche theme has. And I thought, oh, well, this will set me apart. Um, in retrospect, I think that was really misguided. You know, you look at theme forest and it's very much a designer's playground, but as somebody who cares about maybe more developer things like how fast your site loads, um, how, uh, or like user experience things like, is your site easy for somebody to use on a touch device as well as a desktop? You know, I look around at theme forest and think there's an awful lot of crap there, um, but if it looks nice, then that doesn't matter to ThemeForest. So, you know, they have their own sort of particular um, perspective on what makes a good theme. And I think what I didn't know at the time, but which I definitely know now, is that I also have a very particular idea about what I think makes a good theme. And there's not a lot of overlap between me and ThemeForest on that. Well, that's good. And in a way, it, it probably saved you a lot of heartache down the road in terms of being there as opposed to and like, you know, it's definitely the marathon strategy with your own shop. Um, but there's a lot more, uh, you know, exclusivity, ownership, all of that when, when it's strictly yours. Um, and like I said, knowing, you know, someone who's getting out of that space because of how much they take and, you know, so it's, it's interesting for, for those listening who maybe have thought about doing that. So let me ask you this. So when you've got three themes and three plugins right now? Yes. Yeah. So in terms of design, uh, which was your first theme and what were some of the features you looked at in terms of, okay, this is going to make a good restaurant theme? Yeah. So I think my first theme, I've actually retired now, so I'm no longer selling it. And that's the one I attempted to submit to Theme Forest. And I've learned a lot over the years. So I think if I can back up just for a second, I don't particularly go in for the like more features makes a better theme model that sells a lot of themes on ThemeForest. What I do is I make what I consider really smart, intelligent design decisions that will make a an effective, easy to use restaurant website. Uh, and then I give a certain set of options to the user, like colors, typography. Um, I, I, for my latest theme, I've built a, like a kind of page builder light, although it's very, very light. It's just a select set of components that you can um, kind of add as need or remove as needed. Um, but I don't, I don't support, say, a full page builder. Um, I don't support sliders. I don't support um, tons of these extra sort of bundled features. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing that differentiates me from my competitors is I build something that I think I take all my expertise as a developer, as a, as a front end, uh, designer and developer focused on usability and stuff like that. And I build that into a package and then I, I give the user options for branding but I don't give them the power to kind of do everything they want point and click. And so that that's the biggest differentiator. 
how did you go about deciding what would be included in terms of those, you know, some of those things? And I, and for what it's worth, I mean, I agree with you. And I just think it's a, a lot of the end user, like if a customer's got a restaurant or a bar and they're going to try and do their site or whatever, it they think all the bells and whistles makes it that much better, not knowing it's going to break it that much easier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it for me. Um, and I remember as you were talking that the initial thing was like, why did I retire Cafe Cultura, which was my first theme? Um, and what did I choose sort of goes in and it does it. And so to loop back to that, it was, it was that with my first theme, I think I was chasing this idea of what would sell on theme forest rather than kind of looking at what I felt like I could really add, uh, what value I could add to my themes, uh, specifically for users. Um, so well, I thought my first theme was good when I, when I looked at the websites that people built with them, uh, unless that person was a designer they often came out not very well they didn't look very good they weren't very usable and that's because i hadn't put the right sort of limitations on it and because it was my first theme i i didn't know how to sort of uh put the right boundaries which would let people display their content well but make sure that it presented in a way that was really easy to use and attractive so when i retired it uh i you know i i thought I could either sort of rebuild this from ground up to be to be similar design, but really enforce more of these design principles better, um, or I could just retire it and move forward. Um, and so I, I decided to just retire it and move forward because, to be honest, in the theme market, there aren't a lot of people who are, who are hanging in for years and years and doing updates and stuff. Um, so just from a financial perspective, there wasn't a lot of value in me spending all this time rebuilding it. Um, so in terms of what I, what I think needs to go in and what doesn't. Um, uh, so I think the, the key aspects are it, for restaurants. And I think this applies for just about any local business, but it's that your address, opening hours and phone number need to be extremely accessible. And that doesn't mean just um, chuck somewhere, but they should be prominent. The, the user shouldn't have to go searching for this sort of stuff. Um, I also take mobile compatibility really seriously, particularly for the restaurant niche. Um, Happy Tables used to have a kind of stats thing where they would show what percentage of um, visitors were visiting their site for mobile, um, and it tipped over the 50% ratio. Wow. And so if you think about sort of being out with your phone, I mean, we've probably all tried to look up restaurants and been infuriated by how slowly they load, how impossible they are to use on a phone. Um, so oftentimes I design from what I can call a mobile first strategy. So I don't just take a pretty desktop and chuck everything into columns and call it a day. Like I design from the principle that it should be the mobile view should be like a first class citizen. And then in terms of like actual feature set, what I essentially design for is, is some kind of call to action funnel. So um, when somebody lands on their page, I want there to be at least one dominant visual component with a clear call to action and some facility for putting a button to your reservations page. If you take reservations, your menu page, if you don't take reservations, um, but really trying to encourage users to condense and focus on that primary call to action. I love that you said that because <laughs> that seems to be an afterthought for, um, and this is a huge generalization, um, but being more of a, well, I'm not a developer at all, but being a marketer, uh, it, it's, it's key. It's, it's in terms of how does a 
what's the conversion piece happening here? So, um, I, I love that. And in terms of, uh, the mobile first, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you feel that that's sort of the direction for regardless of the website niche? I mean, in terms of whether restaurants or whatnot, I mean, I think designing for mobile is kind of the direction things should be going in or are going in, right? Yeah. Well, I would say what I would say is that there's a lot of lip service paid to like what I would say is that most websites are mobile compatible. A lot of themes that you'll look at out there are not designed considering the mobile user as a principal actor. And there's a there's a real unavoidable financial reason for that. And that's because themes sell based on how beautiful they look on your desktop. Uh, It's an unfortunate reality. But when I put together a demo for one of my themes, that's the most important. That's even more important for me economically than any of the actual technical aspects of the theme, which is kind of depressing. It's just a reality. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so oftentimes the, that mobile view is a bit of an afterthought, I think. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of what we call responsive framework. So it's easy to take your content, um, in a nice desktop view where maybe you've got some items on the left and items on the right and then just chuck them into one column with one on top and one on the bottom. Um, and oftentimes that works out. I mean, there really isn't any other thing you can do, but you can be smart about like I, I, in some of my later themes, I've made a real point of including the phone number or an address into the header so that, so that even on that mobile device, it's like right there on the top of the screen, no matter how the, the, the actual design is collapsed into a smaller thing. It's right there for people. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of, you're right. You're absolutely right that it's, it's going in that direction. And if you don't have a website that's designed for mobile, you are five years behind the times. Um, but I try and sort of go that extra mile thinking about the mobile user. I think at this point, then it's going to be the, the, I don't want to explain this, almost like the audience, the customer is now just has to catch up to understanding that, right? And it's funny, I had, I had worked recently with a local brewery and I am out of client services, um, wrapping these up, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting in, in working with them and just the difference between like, I, <laughs> I wanted a much simpler, cleaner. I mean, I went that way with my own site. I was like, look, I want it to be super clean, a little bit more white space. So it's more readable. It's more user friendly, you know, and uh, of course you then you have people that are not in that space, the customers who it's their website and it's like, no, we want this. And you know, all these bells and whistles that are going to make it very difficult for, for mobile visitors. So it's like, you know, it's a fine line between delivering what somebody wants and making sure the site converts. So it depends on, I guess, how well you can sell the project. Yeah. And I think I wasn't always very sensitive to that. That's something my customers have sensitized me to quite a bit. Um, you know, like a lot of developers, you know, I come, come into it initially with quite an arrogant sort of, this is what's best. You know, mm-hmm. technically, this is the technical solution that's optimal. Um, and, you know, over time talking to my customers, it, it was clear that a lot of, a lot of these people, they are trapped between, uh, a customer who has, uh, an unrealistic set of expectations and a low budget. Um, and a product of some kind that they're using. Um, and if, if you can't write custom code to just make something happen, you need some kind of flexibility in that product 
to to sort of bridge this gap between the customer's expectations, your capabilities, and the product that you're using. Um, so, yeah, like I would say, there's a whole bunch of potential like web builders or, or um, implementers or, or whatever term you want to use who, who for whom probably my products aren't the right fit um, because they will probably want to be able to do more customization um, than I offer out of the box with with my themes and stuff. Um, but part of the joy of the last few years is is being able to find that customer who I can serve really well, even if that's only kind of a small slice of the overall theme market. Well, that, that was a very good segue that much <laughs> to your not knowing. Um, <laughs> how So how has it been in terms of marketing and getting the word out there for Theme of the Crop? Like, did you approach this with a, a content strategy? What, what's been your sort of plan of attack? Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I, Sorry, I, loaded question. question. No, I've been asked this question a bunch and it's just always a little embarrassing because it's the... I, I just don't know how to do this side of things very well. Um, I'm not very good at marketing. I have tried the content marketing route and still kind of persevere with it, but I don't do it enough. I don't invest enough in it. Um, it's very time consuming. So far, content marketing hasn't been a big draw in terms of sales for me. Um, I have some sort of ideas about how I can better use my own particular talents it in that in that vein but it hasn't historically been very useful for me and that's mainly because i'm not very good at blogging um so i've used uh affiliate marketers that was a really important uh marketing strategy early on in my business when i had no search engine traffic and no general awareness whatsoever um a big source of sales for me is is i have my reservations plugins, actually all of my base plugins are free and available on the wordpress.org uh, plugin directory. Um, that's been a huge source of inbound sales, uh, both for add-ons for those plugins, but also the themes themselves, because it's quite a targeted set of people. Um, and I've tried some paid ads, never really gotten anywhere with that. Um, and then, you know, I think a big part of it has just been being involved in the WordPress community. Um, talking to getting to know other people in the WordPress space, talking with them, commenting on posts, talking on forums, uh, just kind of a general awareness. Um, I find a lot of people now have heard of theme of the crop in one form or another. Um, and that, I think that just helps because I think a lot of stuff is word of mouth. You know, if you say, Oh, I've got this restaurant website, you know, somebody say, Oh, well, you should look at, I heard this guy, you know, he talked about yada, yada, whatever. Um, so obviously you can't really measure that, but I feel like it's had some sort of impact. It has, it totally has a huge impact in the community building aspect and that WordPress can be tricky, I think, because you can, you know, network and engage with peers. And at the same time, you still need to get in front of customers. And so it, it is finding that balance. Um, and you know, the content piece, I, I don't know, it, it's totally the marathon strategy and you do have to have the time to kind of, um, are you familiar with Dan Norris? Obviously, right? I, I'm not actually. Okay, sorry. That was very snotty, but, presumptuous. I didn't no, mean to no, say no, that. No, 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 no. It's a 
marketing world, I, I, it's it's a bit of a black hole to me. <laughs> well, just for you and for the listeners, uh, Dan Norris was one of the founders of WP Curve, and um, okay. yeah, and so his book, The Seven Day Startup, talks about how he did that, and because he was down to closing up his web shop essentially um, when he launched that, but he grew it to seven figures through content marketing in about eighteen months, and so he, he's got a book called Content Machine, which is great, and Dan is this sort of prolific content creator. I, I mean. I often wonder if the guy sleeps, but um, it is something that it, it's a fine line to, to navigate. And is this, do you have any support or is it you solely? Um, it's primarily me solely. I have contracted out design work um, and I've had a couple of friends help out with some SEO stuff. I recently did a big sort of redesign of my main um, shop website uh, and I had some help on that front. Um, I mean, it's it's a little... Yeah, I say it's just me, but obviously I'm, you know, I've taken a lot of inspiration from other people in the WordPress community. Uh, I've gotten a lot of advice from other people in the WordPress community. Uh, It frankly just comes down to the fact that I don't enjoy writing most content, um, most kinds of content. And I'm not good at coming up with content ideas. Um, So it it is just me. And um, if there's one area that I should be contracting out, it's that. Um, I just, I'm a little bit worried about the actual monetary return on that just because I, I yet to have kind of proven the content marketing strategy for my business. Um, but it's a bit of a like, you know, circular, I haven't proven it cause I'm terrible at it. And I'm terrible <laughs> at it cause I haven't, you know, so yeah. Um, so, so it's definitely something I should be thinking about contracting out or getting help on more help on, um, but I'm still a bit on the fence, I guess. Well, this is, uh, you know, have you ever thought about doing having people guest post? Maybe that's a, a way to get a little bit of traction also. Um, or, you know, case studies. It's, and no judgment here. It's, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, when you're good at one thing, it's like to take the time to get better at something else when that's not your strong suit. It's, um, it's kind of a catch 22. And at the same time with content, it's, it's, uh, having the right voice and talking to your audience. And so to contract it out can, it, it's, I've never contracted content out. I'm like, I, I can't, I just got to write. Like yeah. my, my daughter is probably the only person that could come close to writing in my voice. Right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so it might be, it might be a little arrogant of me, but I, I, I think that one of my selling points or what I try to sell people on is that I'm better than your average theme developer and that I'm more invested in restaurants um, and I'm going to give you better advice and I'm going to be more helpful. Uh, my prices tend to be higher than other shops. My base price for a theme is $79 um, and particularly for a theme that has less features than your average theme. Um, that's quite a big ask. Um, and my support is kind of a big part of what I'm selling. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been really hesitant to just, just, just post up whatever I can, because I, I do want to kind of establish a, a reputation, not just providing content, but, but making sure that when I do provide content, it's high quality. Um, yeah. And it takes so. time. There's an investment in that. And you know, it's yeah. interesting when you were talking about the, the cost, because it's funny. It's just, I always draw these correlations between online and offline and really $79. Do you have a renewal fee or is it just a one-off? It's a, it's a yearly license. You can use it as long as you want, but one year gets you uh, support and updates. Okay. Well, that's cheaper than buying 
Photoshop every year, right? <laughs> and this yeah. is to represent your business. And so I think that there is, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a little bit of a transition in the WordPress theme space in terms of, you know, $79 is nothing really. Oh, I know. I know. You know, when, yeah, when I, I wish, think, I wish I could, I wish I could like interrupt every single person looking at my website and just say, really $79 is not that much, especially for a restaurant. $79 is what they pay one member of staff for one, you know, night of work kind of thing. Like it's not that much money. Right. And then at the same time, the website is going to give you a tangible data on what's working and what's not working and driving more business. So it's one of those things that I, I'm hoping and feel that in this space that it is, it's shifting a little bit because I think, and I would really love your thoughts on this. I, there are a lot of page builders. I am a huge fan of page builders. Um, but I, I tend to use them very specific either for marketing pages like squeeze pages or sales pages, um, or like a very specific page on my site, maybe. But from that perspective, you know, there's, there is going to be a separation, I think, of the professionals and the builders, maybe, as all these tools start making it much easier for the DIY person to, to get this up. And so a lot of it comes down to the value that you personally bring. And so with you as an example, I mean, very specific, a lot of experience in restaurants. Um, and, and the SEO piece is a huge bonus. So what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, where this, the, the theme marketplace is going with WordPress. I think that there is a split in the market, which has already happened. And, you know, like Genesis was kind of the first mover in this field, I think, but now it's, you've got all sorts of separate page builders like a Beaver Builder. And of course there's Visual Composer, which amongst developers has kind of a, not the best reputation, but it makes uh, me crazy. I don't use it. I'm not a developer. <laughs> uh, but then you, you've got this proliferation of sort of all-in-one builder themes. So you've got Divi, you've got Avada, you've got X-Theme. And essentially, these these things are not your what, what we would have called a theme sort of five, six years ago. Right. These are essentially like web builder tools. And it makes a lot of sense for somebody who needs to learn one complex system uh, and then repurpose that knowledge for dozens and dozens of clients. Um, I think that's a really important tool for people to have. Um, I, I have like my product suite doesn't really target that, that group. Um, because I think that's, that's kind of one whole portion of the market. And I would almost say that is the dominant portion. It might even be upwards of 90% of the market is captured by either one of these big themes or by, um, one of these big page builders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see my strategy as kind of targeting this other slice, um, which I think automatic has long tried to target through wordpress.com of the, the real DIYer, not the DIYer who is willing to invest tons of time in learning a system, but the DIYer who really wants to get something up that's good, but doesn't necessarily need like loads of customization stuff. They're, they're willing to sort of trade the, to hand off the kind of expertise and design and the final package of their site off to, to somebody else, whether that's the theme developer or, or whatever, in return for saving them a whole bunch of time. Um, yeah. And I think that that split will continue to happen. And I think that the smaller part of the market will 
more and more be served by services rather than products. Um, so in some sense, I see my own business space shrinking quite a lot um, short of moving into services or something like that. But hopefully that will be a long, gradual process, not a sudden one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to happen overnight either. And it, it's just it's interesting to see the the shift in this space. Um, I want to talk a little bit too about your plugins. And so you said they all have a can you share your plugins with the audience? And then um, I want to talk a little bit about the the fact that you have them all free. So what are your what plugins do you have that support this? So Restaurant Reservations is a great, I'm really proud of this plugin. Um, it's my most popular one, and it does what it says on the tin. Um, it gives you a booking form you can put up on your site, and then it collects the bookings and gives you really simple email notifications and a facility for approving or rejecting bookings as they come in. Um, and, you know, you can set up kind of complicated scheduling rules. So if you're open... Um, you know, Monday to Friday at some time, but then Saturday, different times. And maybe you close over lunch or in the afternoon or something, but open back up in the evening. It can kind of handle all that sort of stuff. I, I, I think it's best seen as like a, a low cost self-owned alternative to open table or some of these other services. Um, so if you want to own your own data, uh, for instance, one of the add-ons is, when someone makes a booking, you can automatically subscribe them to your MailChimp mailing list. Um, so if you if that's if you're kind of investing in your digital marketing strategy, and you can turn your booking form into kind of an owned asset rather than just something you farm out to a service. Um, and then, food and drink menu is the restaurant menu plugin, um, and it it is very simple um, and not doesn't really have that many features. Doesn't really need that many, I think. Um, it's got a kind of flexible template system. So if you do write any sort of HTML, even just a little bit, you can build your own templates. But, you know, a menu is kind of a menu. Um, and I try not to make it too complicated. Um, and then got two smaller plugins. One is Business Profile. And that's a simple one that just allows you to enter your business details. So name, address, phone number, opening hours, contact point, things like that. And then it outputs them in what's called schema.org markup, um, which is one of these sort of Google rich snippet formats. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've ever searched for a local business and on the right of the Google search results, you see a little map and you see details and opening hours and phone number. Um, this is one way of telling Google all that information. So um, it can be quite important for restaurants, especially because so you know, a lot of people are doing doing their restaurant searches not on a website. They're doing it in a in the Google Maps app on their phone, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, so you need to make sure that Google knows exactly where your address is, and that when someone clicks on that dot that's nearby them, that it pops up with the phone number and the details like that. Um, and then I also have another plugin just for putting up testimonials. It's called Good Reviews for WordPress, um, and it's very straightforward. You just enter in the review, and it also outputs in this kind of schema.org markup, um, which Google hasn't been showing it as much. But you might remember that that um, for while, uh, with some sort types of products, they will show like a star rating with mm -hmm. the Google search result. Um, so in theory, it will show up with that. Um, but I have found that to be less common for restaurants than other other niches. Um, do I, don't, think, I don't see them putting that up that often for restaurants. 
I do think it's because people use Yelp or, you know, that they're using, you know, like this brewery site, there's a, it's called untapped and people will check in yep. and different breweries and stuff. And so do you think it's because there are other tools that do that more or? Oh, well, I, I, I think it's just, I think that Google kind of just like it will tackle a specific industry vertical mm-hmm. and it'll say, we're going to, you know, we're going to roll out uh, rich snippets about this. We're going to roll out rich snippets about that. Um, and, uh, and I think that they've got the local business stuff down and I think reviews, they really intended for products. Um, so you see reviews all the time in e-commerce listings on Google. Uh, but unless it's like one of their own specific, so they'll scrape from Yelp or they'll take it from Google places, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, my guess is that they're just not trusting reviews except from a specific set of sites that they have kind of whitelisted. If you know what I mean. Yeah, well, totally. And it's funny because I don't necessarily trust Yelp personally. <laughs> you know? So it's like, no. I, I just... And it, I do restaurants, actually. It's it's a real, like, there's a lot of antagonism towards Yelp and TripAdvisor for being, in some ways, forced to be on the platform that they think is being abused and and doesn't help them at all. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It's There's no um, checks and balances for it, so... And so what would you recommend to somebody who wants to maybe get into this space and is thinking of niching down? Because I think that's brilliant, actually, that you've done that. And it's, you know, you're excelling in this space. So what would you recommend to somebody who wants to do that? Well, one of the things I've learned, which I didn't know ahead of time, is just how tight the profit margins are for restaurants. Um, They do not like spending money. Uh, So if you are going to niche down on restaurants, I would recommend that you really, really um, regularize and automate as many of your processes as possible. Um, you know, I, I think that one thing web developers, whether you're a programmer or, or, um, you know, you, you take plugins and themes and put them together for a site, whatever you do. Uh, I think you need to be real clear with a low cost client on what they're getting and specifically what they're not getting. Um, so if you're going to niche down on restaurants, I would say, put like get together a set of things that you know you can implement really well, really reliably and make sure that when you're recruiting clients that you're making clear like exactly what they'll get. Um, because, uh, you won't, my, my, this is just my guess or my estimation for most people who are dealing with restaurants is you won't be able to milk a lot of extra money out of them. Um, so I would say you need to make sure that you've got your input to output, um, sort of stuff nailed down. Well, what about it? Not necessarily just restaurants, but if somebody wants to just niche down in terms of themes, right. And like, let's say somebody wants to do a theme marketplace for, or not a marketplace, but a theme shop for authors, you know, is, is, you know, because you did some legwork in terms of looking at what was out there and, you know, so any direction in terms of just any niche, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, ai think my thoughts are evolving a little bit on this. Um, I think, I think a niche, when I first got into it, you know, particularly Chris Lemma and several others were really big on saying, go niche, go niche. Um, and so that really inspired me to, to take that route. And I still think that there's a lot of value from this, but I think that you need to choose your niche carefully. You know, some niches have really high, like some, okay. So 
one, one, of, one of the things I wish in my niche that I dealt with more often was restaurant owners themselves. I'm frequently dealing with the middle, middle man or woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's fine, except that it's much harder to upsell them on simple business value things. I'm amazed at how rarely I sell my MailChimp add-on, for instance. I feel like if, if any actual business owner was doing this and saw this available, they'd buy it in a heartbeat. Um, because automatically having a simple way to grow your mailing list um, makes perfect sense to a business owner who's struggled to grow their mailing list for years. Um, So one of the things I would recommend is find a niche where you are interacting directly with the state, the final stakeholder, um, because you will, I think you'll have an easier time of upselling them on um, real value ads. Whereas oftentimes the person in the middle they're just trying to get the client site up. Yeah. You know? And they, yeah. they just need, they, they're probably being underpaid because most of them don't charge enough. Um, and they're, they, so they're out of time and they just want things to work as quickly as possible. Um, but if you can find a niche where you're interacting with the person directly and they are actually spending money on their website, like not a hobbyist or anything like that, but somebody who's actually willing to spend money, um, those would be the two things I would look for in if I was picking a new niche today. That's huge. And I've studied this brewery site that I was doing. It was like web design by committee. And yeah. you know, it's and it's <laughs> like the the person that's doing it, she's has a full time job in marketing high up. And it's like, you know, and then you've got the money person who really even you know, well, what do we need a website for? We have a Facebook page. And it was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> so Hence me getting yeah. out of services. Um, so yeah. what, what's coming for you this year for your comp, for you and your company? You know, I've always toyed with trying to find ways to bring somebody else in. I, I don't think I'm necessarily ready for like, uh, uh, to like really do the contracting stuff. Um, but I'd love to find ways to bring, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm uh, a theme developer who doesn't want any of the business side of stuff and maybe, they can develop a theme and I can give them a commission for each sale or something Um, or something like that, that I think that's something I'd like to try and find, or at least think about seriously this year. Um, In terms of product offerings, I've got two themes in development, um, which I'm quite excited to get out the door. Um, And the big thing that probably won't land this year, but which I'll probably start this year is, um, is a real kind of, more complete table management system for the reservations. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now the reservations is really, um, it's very hands-off. It's designed for the way that most restaurants manage reservations with pen and paper. So it's more of like a simple system for managing the notifications and sending out um, approval or rejected notifications and stuff. But I'd love to get a real add-on out there where somebody was actually managing all their reservations from a touch screen. So an iPad or something in the, in the, in the restaurant itself. That's quite a big add on to work on. I have quite ambitious ideas for it. (laughs) And there's only so much time in the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So where is the best place for people to connect with you, Nate? So you can uh, connect with me personally on Twitter at Nate WR. Happy to talk to anybody there. If you want to reach out specifically to Theme of the Crop, I'm at Theme of the Crop on Twitter. And I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Theme of the Crop. 
Uh, it's a fairly new, I, I haven't had a Facebook page for long, so I've only got like 30 followers. So <laughs> I'd appreciate any more uh, likes. That, that'd be really great. Um, but yeah, those are the two best places to contact me. Uh, I'm always happy to chat about restaurants. Awesome. And we'll definitely get you some more likes on that page. And everybody, you know, the drill, just hang on. And I will have a little outro here uh, for Nate. Thank you so much for being here, Nate. I really love chatting with you and and learning about your business. And uh, I'm happy to help spread the word. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Pretty interesting, right? So, you know, I got I think I need to stop doing some of these outros because I keep saying, you know, the drill. And then I come back on and say, if you haven't left a review, I would love one in iTunes. And of course, check out Nate Wright at themeofthecrop.com. All the links to the to his website and social profiles that he shared with you will be in the post. Uh, I love you guys tons. Have a fantastic weekend. Well, <laughs> depending on when you're listening to this, have a fabulous day.